Welcome to the Refresh Moms podcast. My name is Deanna Mason. I am your host and I am so happy to have you here. This is episode two in a series that I'm currently publishing called Parenting Well. And today we're going to talk about talking about sex with our kids. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about. And um, you may want to put your earbuds in if you don't want this conversation to be held Um in the midst of young ears or any of your children's ears, whether they're young or not so young. So I just wanted to give you that heads up before you um, continue. And um, I'm just excited to have this conversation with um, a new friend of mine who I've been exposed to her work as I coach in the Nurture to Convert Society. So I've been exposed to the different uh, elements that she's developing and building and when I was thinking about guests to invite, I I was like, yeah, I think this will be a great conversation to have because I know that this is something that me and my husband have, I want to say it's been challenging. Um, The reason why I'm going to use the word challenging is because it's not an easy thing to have a conversation with your children about, but it's not challenging in me believing that the conversation is important. And so we've always been willing to have these conversations and intentional about having conversations, but it's still kind of dicey. And especially when you're trying to incorporate your faith and your the values that you have around the way you hold sex in regards to a biblical perspective and biblical relationship. Yeah, the world is not a fan. <laughs> And our children are definitely exposed to worldly approaches to sex. And how do we have conversations with them in order to let them know that this is something that they can come to us to? This is something that they can um, look forward to. My goodness. Imagine that. Look forward to a healthy, beautiful sexual relationship with their spouse. So I just thought it'd be great to have Kath on the podcast to have a chat about how to do this well. So let me introduce her to you so we can hop in. Kath Hackinson has been talking to clients about sex for the past 25 years as a nurse, a midwife, a sex therapist, researcher, author, and educator. She spent the past 15 years trying to unravel why parents herself included, struggle with sex education. Her solution was to create Sex Ed Rescue, an online resource that simplifies sex education and helps parents to empower their children with the right information about sex so kids can talk to them about anything. Can you imagine? Anything, no matter what. So this is a really rich conversation. I think it's something that you can circle back to, something you can bookmark, something that can inspire you when you're feeling that this might be a little bit challenging for you. And hop into Kat's world. I have information in the show notes on how to um, connect with her and to have her as your resource or a resource, I should say. But without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into this conversation with the amazing and the beautiful Aussie. Kath Hackinson. You are listening to the Refreshed 
Moms podcast. This podcast is dedicated to all the moms out there who are leading, no matter what capacity you are showing up in leadership, whether you are an entrepreneur or a ministry leader, maybe you are homeschooling right now or anything in between. However you are leading as a woman and as a mom, I want to help you consistently nurture your faith enjoy consistent opportunities for rest and if you happen to be a business owner generate consistent revenue i'm deanna mason your host and i'm so glad to have you let's get started cat welcome to the refresh moms podcast i am beyond excited to have you here and to talk about this topic welcome 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 thanks deanna (laughs) so I know that everybody's like, we don't really want to small talk, Deanna. We want to get right into this topic because I know when you saw the title, you were like, I'm, I can't wait to listen to this because I know you listeners on the other side of this. I know that talking about sex with our children, especially if you're coming from a faith perspective, it can be extremely confusing. You um, may not be exposed to talking about this in your circles of faith. I know I'm not. Ain't nobody talking about it with me. As a parent, nobody's talking about it to me as a married woman (laughs) in my faith circles. And it's a shame. I definitely feel like this conversation is necessary and important and that we as parents need to be empowered to bring our children into it. Because I promise you, if you are not aware of it, your children have questions. (laughs) Your children want to know about the things that are happening in their bodies, the things that are part of their bodies, the way that they're feeling, the way the world approaches this topic and the way that they position their beliefs and values in this topic, all of that thing is happening. And if we're not talking to our children about sex, they are talking about sex to somebody or they're educating themselves about sex somewhere outside of the safety of and wisdom of the parent of the parents in the home. So I'm so excited to introduce you to this wonderful gift of a woman who, whose mission in life is to educate us on how to talk to our children about sex. All right. So I know you want to hop into that right away, but I have some few introductory things that I want to do before me and Kath jump in. So Kath, I would love for you to just introduce yourself. I did an intro before um, we hopped in this conversation, but can you share about who you are, the work that you do and your family dynamics real quick for us? I will. Thanks for having me on. And I was just listening to your talk and I'm thinking, wow, you don't even need me here. But anyway, I'm... (laughs) I do. You do, yeah. So I'm an Aussie. I come from Australia and um, my mission in life is to empower parents to have open and honest, positive conversations with their kids about sex. So my home is Sex Ed Rescue and what I do is I just show parents a better and an easier way to have these conversations in a way that's respectful of their values and in a way that feels comfortable for them and their family. So that's pretty much what I do. I am so happy to be introduced to your body of work when I was preparing for this series. So we are in the midst of a series on parenting well and thinking about the different things that we can talk about because the list is exalt is just there's so much that we can talk about in regards to the topic of equipping ourselves to be good parents. That's, that's I don't even want to say it like that. Equipping ourselves to parent 
um, our children well, with wisdom, with love, with patience, all those things. I had to narrow it down because the series could literally last all year if I, if I allowed myself. But I knew about your work when I was thinking about this. And I'm like, I want to record a topic on sex education. And I don't think it'll be the only one. I, I think this is something that we can definitely circle back to in another 12 months to just um, approach it from a different angle, approach it and focus it maybe on a specific age group. But this is definitely going to um, kick us off to welcoming this conversation around um, how to parent well in this particular area. So one question that I start at the top of my recordings when I'm interviewing is asking my guest if they can tell me what the phrase refresh moms means to them when they hear it. So I'm going to ask you that same, and then we're going to um, break for um, a quick um, word from our sponsor, which is me because I sponsor all my episodes. And then we're going to hop into this, this topic. But can you tell me what does it mean to you when you hear the phrase refreshed mom? Oh, refreshed mom for me, I guess it's that to me, it's about being re-energized. It's about maybe finding what it is to be a mum again because it's like the days are long but the years go really fast as a parent and yeah and it can get really tiring and you sometimes wonder why am I here why did I make this decision isn't there more to life so refresh to me is about finding that energy finding the I don't know the message the mission the purpose but getting grounded and back to what parenting is really all about. That's what it means to me. That sounded beautiful. I love the getting grounded. I love the imagery of how allowing yourself to um, reset and be grounded brings you to a place to be refreshed. So thank you so much for um, sharing what that um, means to you when you hear it. So we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to go ahead and start chipping away at this topic of talking to our kids about sex. So we'll be back in just a moment. Okay. I just wanted to interrupt this wonderful podcast episode to share about a tool that I have created just for you. And you being a mom leader, mom entrepreneur, especially if you've been feeling disconnected to God in your prayer time, or maybe guilty about the time you're not spending in prayer, I have put together a short 11-minute video tutorial on how to pray in color. So let me kind of share with you what this is. So busy mom leaders struggling to prioritize prayer can turn rushed, distracted attempts into connected intimacy literally in minutes. I'm not even joking when I say in minutes with this refreshing approach to spending time with God. Praying in color is just a beautiful expression of prayer using your colored gel pens or colored pencils or markers or hand lettering techniques, doodling in your sketchbook or journal, your prayers to the father. And it's within the act of doodling and drawing that your mind becomes settled and quiet and still in order for you to connect with the words that you actually want to say or write to the father in prayer. I'm telling you, 
it has absolutely revolutionized my prayer time. My short 11 minute tutorial that has changed the way I connect with God forever. I, I actually, this is just like my preferred way of when it's time to pray. I just take out my gel pens and my sketchbook and I just enter into prayer time immediately. It has moved me from popcorn, disengaged, quick checklist prayers to me, literally losing track of time and sweet communion with Jesus. You're going to eliminate mind wandering and lack of focus. You're going to transform prayer from feeling like a chore to something that you literally crave and just can't wait um, to hop back into. You're going to use the practice of doodling as a meditative prayer tool to still your thoughts in your mind and just grab your journal and some pens or some pencils and implement immediately. So I welcome you to grab my tutorial, How to Pray in Color. It'll have the video tutorial. I also included a worship prayer playlist for you to listen to if music helps you also um, still your mind and your thoughts in order to connect with God. And you can grab it in the show notes or just go to deannamason.com forward slash pray in color. Let me know if you grab it and download it. I want to hear how your prayer life has changed as a result of this easy to start and implement resource. Let me go ahead and get back to this podcast episode. I'm looking forward to your prayer life being transformed. All right, back to the episode. Okay, Kath, let's, let's hop in. Yep. This is a hard thing for many of us to talk about, me and my um, husband included. I remember when my children, children were young, like kindergarten young, you start asking questions. And I knew that I needed resources. <laughs> and so I, I found a couple of age-appropriate books Thank God these books literally kind of, they told you what age it was great for. Because this is the type of guidance me and my husband needed. We were like, I need somebody to tell me the words to say. And this was like, this is great for preschool to this age. That's the book I'm buying, right? And then there was one like a few, one that was like, like for the age group after that. So we bought both of them. So we would have both of them. And when my son asked the question, my, my husband literally sat down and just read the book. Cause he was like, I don't even know how to answer this, but the book is going to help me. And it just gave him like guardrails. Right. So why is this such a hard thing for us as parents? Or what have you, what do you see in your work? Why are we struggling with sex education for our children? Sex is just such a taboo topic. It's not the sort of conversation that you sit down and chat about like you might be sitting at the park on a Tuesday morning with the mums and the kids are playing in the playground and you might talk about teething and you might talk about you know nappies that are on sale or birthday parties and stuff but you don't sit there and talk about sex no Mm -hmm. one sits there and talks about how their pelvic floor feels after having pushed out a 10 pound baby no (laughs) one sits there and talks about little johnny masturbating the dog or himself Uh, no one talks about it so it's a really 
private alone things. So because we don't talk about sex, I think that sex education is just harder. And also many of us didn't get it ourselves as kids or if we did have conversations, we only remember shame and mm. negativity. So we don't have positive memories ourselves. So I think it's, yeah, it's entrenched in our own upbringing. I used to work as a sex therapist and that was part of what got me into sex education was I would sit there and I would, you know, I'd been working with people and talking to them about their sex lives for, you know, probably 15 years by then. And I, I had noticed that there was a pattern that some people came in and something would happen in their sex life they deal with it and move on. Then others would come in, something would happen, and it took ages for them to move on. And mm. when I unpacked it, the people that had had positive sex education with their parents, their adult sex life seemed to oh, be more resilient, more, yeah, they moved on. They were able to deal with stuff. But those that had negative messages from their parents as kids growing up, it impacted their adult sex life. Um, and it was just fascinating. And that was part of the reason why I got into sex education because, you know, I've always worked in preventative health. Um, public health, which is about mm -hmm. preventing issues rather than fixing them up. So sex education for me is about getting in and we can have conversations with our kids so that when they're an adult, you know, they have a good sex life. They have a happy relationship. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so sex is just, yeah, it's we get the messages from when we're children, which can make it harder to talk as adults. Yeah, I agree. And we get them from so many different places. If you, if you consider, like I think of my childhood, nobody was talking about this in my home. Um, when I became a teenager, the doctor wanted to talk about it. And my mom would be in the room with me. You know, nowadays, when I was growing up, the mom was in the doctor's room with you, which I have feelings about on both sides. You know, I don't like when the doctor asked me to leave the the office or I mean the, the the exam room because my children are now over 12 and they have a period of that examination where they want the parent gone and I know what they're talking about they're talking about sexual things and I know that's part of that conversation they want to give the child an opportunity to ask questions separate um, apart from their parent because they know children may hesitate in asking questions if the parent is in the room I completely get that. And I want my children to have safe spaces to ask questions, but it still makes me feel some kind of way, right? It's like, oh my gosh, what is the doc? Are they putting things in my kid's head that wasn't there before, you know, they um, went in there. And um, I just remember when I was growing up, that wasn't, the, my mom was in the office. It wasn't like they asked my mom to leave and the doctor would ask those questions and I remember the doctor asking if I wanted to use birth control and my mom answered for me. She's like, no, she doesn't. Right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. and that, and that was like one of the, that was one of the conversations. It wasn't that me and my mom had a conversation about it. Ooh. It was Ooh. my mom communicating to me what was not going to happen. You're not going to be on birth control because you're not going to need to be on birth control because you're not going to be sexually active. And so that's kind of, that was like a conversation in just that one statement of her saying no. 
Um, and then I had my father who was on the complete opposite side of it was like, it's about time for you to get on birth control. I remember those two distinct conversations. And that, and when I say conversations, the words that just came out of my mouth were the extent of the conversation. There was no back and forth. It was just those isolated statements that let me know my parents are divided in their thoughts in regards to what's, first of all, my sex, it was really about sexual activity. It mm-hmm. wasn't about like the big yeah. conversation of sex. Yeah. It was just about sexual activity. I got one mom who was faith, who was a Christian who didn't want her daughters sexually active before marriage. I have a father who was not a Christian who knew teenagers were hormonal. And he's like, look, don't bring a baby into this house. Go get on birth control. That, (laughs) that was, that was my upbringing. Right. And so everything else I learned came from friend groups. It came from what I saw on TV. It came from my own exploration, right. And exposure to materials, you know, books or, you know, whatever, whether they were books that were written from a faith perspective or not. That was what I, that's where I got it from. And then once I became an adult to make those decisions, it was literally on the job training. I didn't have any conversations happening um, that were from a place of necessary wisdom or safety. Um, Not probably till I got married. And that's so sad. I was married in my twenties and that's kind of the conversations between me and my husband or with a therapist or with a doctor or my gynae. That's kind of where I started learning. And even now in my forties, it's like, my body is changing. You know, I'm perimenopausal. There's different things happening. And it's like, I'm now relearning sex as a 40 something, you know, and it's like, it's a continual conversation And the way you put it, Kath, I hope repositions this for parents. You want your child to enjoy a healthy sex life. That is like, I'm not saying I want my 14 year old to have a healthy sex life at 14. That's not what I'm saying. Other people may feel differently. That's not what I'm saying. But when she is an adult, when she is in a trusted in my, in hopefully married relationship, that's where I, my heart's desire is for her. But when she's in that relationship, I want her and her spouse to enjoy the beauty of the sex um, creation, right? In in the experience. So I just like that reframing that you said that our heart's desire is for that to be good, not taboo, not difficult, right? We want the yeah. best for our kids and it should also include with their sex life. So definitely, yeah. So my next question to you is what are some of the top, reasons why you have identified we must have these conversations what are things that are coming up over and over and over again in your work with us parents that you're like okay if I had to give you like the three reasons why you need to be doing this these are the reasons so why do we need to be having these conversations well first of all we're growing up in a different world 
um, you know, the internet. The internet has changed so much. Mm. And the media have worked out that you can make money out of sex. So, yeah. you know, you can, I sit on my front veranda and a bus goes past and there's a poster on the side advertising, oh, I don't know, biscuits, but it's a buxom female with her breasts hanging out. Yeah. I take my son to the movies and we have to walk past Victoria's Secrets. Yeah. With all the lingerie pictures. Um, you play, you put a song on in the car radio. Even if you listen to 80s music, they're still all about sex. They're just talking about going down to the beach and getting it on. Whereas now it's like, you know, stick it in me, baby. Um, mm-hmm. The music's a lot more blatant now. But Kids are going to, you know, we're growing up in a different world and kids are going to learn about sex anyway. So as a parent, we can either look at the glass as being half full and see that as a problem and go, oh, no, my kids are growing up in this sexualized world. It's going to ruin them. Or we can actually sit back and see the glass as being half full. Sorry, half empty I meant before. Anyway, half empty seeing it as a bad thing, half full is seeing it as a positive mm-hmm. thing. So we can turn around and go, well, yeah, we live in a sexualized world. The world is what it is. So why don't I actually turn that to my advantage and use it? Because I actually find sex education is easy because I only have to turn the car radio on and I can find a dozen opportunities to talk to mm. my kids about sex. I can go to a, watch a movie on the TV with my kids and we can talk about relationships, we can talk about consent, we can talk about body image and self-esteem and gender. There's just so many conversations. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, as parents, like we live in this sexualized world, which is why we need to talk, but it actually makes it easier for us as parents to talk because most of us think sex education is like what happened to us, one talk, mm-hmm. but we've now realised that you can't learn everything you need to have a happy, healthy loving relationship from one five to 10 to 15 minute uncomfortable conversation. Mm -hmm. It takes lots of conversations for kids to learn that. So that's another one of the other reasons why we need to be talking is because it takes many conversations. It's like how many times do you have to tell your kids not to leave their dirty clothes on the bathroom for Ah. a thousand times? And what can happen with sex education is you've got to repeat stuff. I was driving home one day and there's always a sex shop that we always hit the red lights at, so an adult Mm. shop, and we're sitting there and my son was 10 and he says, Mum, what's P-O-R-N? I said, porn. He said, what's porn? Luckily it was a red light because I looked at him and I said, what? You don't know what porn is? I said, I was flustered because we were peak hour traffic. I said, you don't know what porn is? We talk about it all the time. I said, seriously, you don't know what porn is? He said, no. I said, you know, it's people with no clothes on, having sex on, you know, videos and stuff. He says, oh, yeah, I know what that is. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) it's like classic example of why we need to have these conversations Mm -hmm. and also why we need to repeat the conversations so you know we'd had maybe a dozen conversations about porn before and that was a classic reminder for me about okay I don't think he's remembered much of it let's keep talking again so we need to keep repeating these conversations so that the message sinks in because you know kids can't make smart decisions if they don't know anything 
Yeah. And we look back on our own romantic and sex, sexual relationships and many of us made mistakes because we didn't know anything. We couldn't yeah. make a smart decision because we had no knowledge to draw back on. Yeah. I just, just think how different so many lives would be if we'd actually had this knowledge. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And there is like, okay, first of all, yeah, you just changed my whole perspective on the reason why we need to say it over and over again. Because, yes, there's so many things that I repeat with my kids that I'm like, do you, am I talking to a wall? Am I, you know, I know that we've communicated and they still are working on whatever those things, those instructions or those trainings or those life lessons, they're still chipping away at them. And it's still, I'm learning how to navigate them. And I'm like, why would they not experience the same thing around sex in their bodies and questions? And there's always an evolution, you know, because they're changing, they're growing, they have new questions. You know, my daughter has dreams that confuse her, you Mm -hmm. know, and she'll come to me and she'll share you know, I had this dream. I don't really know what to do with it. I don't know, you know, and it's like, so I'm just kind of talking it through, but it's like when the dream happens, that's new, that's fresh. It's not like something she experienced, you know, the week before. So they're always um, changing and they always have new things happening as they grow that they don't necessarily know where to put it or how to deal with it or how to approach it. And definitely when you are talking about a um, household that's incorporating um, Christian values, it's like you want to give them the natural human perspective and give, and also give them an opportunity to understand the uh, biblical perspective so they can weigh their choices and they can weigh um, who they want to be. And, you know, that's, Man, one of the most healthy things I feel like we can do for our children as Christian parents, because trust me, I wish I could just open my kid's head and say, this is what you're going to believe. This is what you're going to do and just pour it in and close their brain up. And then, you know, that is, that's not what I'm dealing with y'all. I got two kids that have questions about God. They have questions about Christianity um, while saying they love Jesus. You got to hear what I'm saying. These are children that are like, I love Jesus in the next week can come to me and say, I'm confused about God. I'm con- this doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't enjoy reading my Bible. I don't, en- they can have those same feelings in the same body, in the same place. And so I have learned that there's like, I am just a guide on their journey around how they're going to choose what they believe. I can't make them believe what I believe around sex, but what I want to do is be available to them as they navigate and decide for themselves. And we don't have to be afraid of that. We absolutely don't have to be scared of that. Um, But I do understand the concern. I do understand we have this personal relationship with God and we have the other side of understanding the beauty of sex. If you're like me, I, I had sexual relationships before I was honoring God with my body and after, and after is much better after is much safer. Right. And I have that life experience that my children do not. Right. And 
even though I have baggage and things that I regret, decisions I regret that didn't work out well for me um, when I was navigating my life in this area, a tree, a tree branch just fell and hit my roof. So I don't know if that came across on a mic. Oh, well, I've got two cats. <laughs> I've got two cats starting to fight behind me. So. Oh, I cannot hear them, but I still ended up in the safety um, of my faith. I still, God still got me in a place that's beautiful, right? So you just got to let them have free will and agency as they navigate this, but please plug in please plug in and be available to, to um, guide them and to um, help shape their values. Okay. So here's my next question. This is a really great question because I know I have listeners that have very young children. When should we start these conversations? And what are we talking about when we start these conversations, Kev? I mean, yeah, those are my, that's my, those two questions. When do we start and what are we talking about when we do? Okay, um, hopefully you can't hear the cat fight. Hopefully <laughs> it's like middle of the night antics here. Okay, so look, sex education, it can start when you're ready for it to start. Most of us, when we think of sex education, think of it as talking about sex. So I'm going to answer that question around mm-hmm. that because there's a whole lot of other things that you can talk about. But as a parent, I know when I first started thinking about sex education, it was because I knew I needed to talk to my kids about sex. I didn't Mm. know about any of the other stuff. But um, so the time to start talking about sex, it's really up to you. A lot of parents wait until puberty because that's when our parents might have talked to us. And when you watch sitcoms on TV, you know, they always get the talk at the cusp of puberty. Um, So a lot of parents don't think of it until they start to see, you know, breasts budding or pimples or Mm -hmm. smelly armpits or moodiness. And then they Mm -hmm. think, oh, puberty, it's time to have the talk. Mm -hmm. So you can start talking about sex then. But the problem is, is if you leave it until then, kids have got a message that you're not interested in talking about it. They've probably already possibly heard about sex or they would have heard other kids talking about this thing that adults do. Um, So when we don't talk about it, not talking gives the message that we don't want to talk, if that makes sense, gives Mm -hmm. an unspoken message. So the problem is with leaving it too late is that or leaving it till puberty is that there's a good chance that someone else has already told them what it is. And you can guarantee that it's either going to be over-sexualized and it's going to be like, or I joke about Kardashian sexual values mm-hmm. um, rather than being your sexual values. So they're going to get the wrong information. Um, they might also, you know, hear kids talking about sex and they plug it into the computer and they Google it and find porn. Yeah. Um, you know, we t- tell kids, you know, they go, Mum, what's this? You say, go look it up or go Google it when you're busy mm-hmm. cooking dinner. So, you know, it's natural for kids to turn to Google because we send them that direction a lot. So best time to start talking about sex you know in the ideal world is probably when they're first curious about where babies come from and things Mm -hmm. so you know so you can start talking to them about babies growing in the uterus 
Um, and then they might go, so, the, you know, the uterus, it's a special baby bag that sits in the tummy of someone. And then they might go, so how does a baby get in there? Or how, how does a baby get made? And then you might talk about an egg and a sperm joint meet and they join together. And, you know, the egg comes from a person with a vagina or a vulva or a woman. Or, and you can say, and the sperm comes from a man or a person with a penis or a person with testicles. You can use whatever language you want. Mm-hmm. And then they go, okay, so how do they get together? And then you go, oh, well, the sperm will leave through the penis and go into the vagina, find the egg and join. And then they go, but, and then they start thinking, because this is all about them trying to work mm-hmm. out how they were made. And then they're like, but how does a sperm get to the egg? And then you can talk about the penis going into the vagina and the sperm comes out that way or you can then talk about the other ways babies were made because some Mm -hmm. kids were they're a product of adoption or surrogacy Mm -hmm. or IVF so there's lots of different ways to make a baby so we can start having those conversations oh look I probably don't think you can tell a four-year-old what sex is but it will go in one ear and out the other and be totally meaningless it starts to they they start to comprehend that it's a penis going in a vagina and giggle probably about five six Mm -hmm. maybe seven so a lot of parents feel that they have to rush into talking about sex straight away but you don't you can break it down into stages which means you don't get as overwhelmed um, and it's much easier Mm-hmm. to have these yeah. conversations. Yeah, I agree um, that when my kids were little, their questions weren't quite as in-depth. And as they grew, they might start putting a, like a conversation we had the year before something else has now crossed their learning. And they're like, okay, well, how does that happen then? I know you told me this and this. And, and then it's like, okay, now we're at another step, you know? Um, yeah. I, I'll never forget my son found, we were, um, traveling and I put my tampons in a, um, plastic bag and it was see-through and he, and he grabbed it out from wherever we were. And he's like, and I think we're in a hotel room or something. He's like, what are these? And he was at the age that we could answer uh, with more specifics. And it was so funny. Cause me and my husband both knew that, okay, he's old enough that we need to answer this with a little bit more intentionality. And my, my husband, just, and we, we laugh at us now, but it's, my husband said, sit down, son. <laughs> it was like, he, he was like, we're about to have a conversation. It was just so funny because we both like when, when my son asked it, we both looked at each other we were like, we got to answer this for real. It's not like he was answering, asking that at four. He was asking mm-hmm. that probably like at eight or nine. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, okay, sit down. Cause we we're about to tell you what this is. <laughs> and so it just was so funny to me recalling me and um, Eddie having the understanding that we can't blow this one. You know, it's not like we were blowing him off when he was younger. Yeah. It was just, we knew it didn't need as much detail. Yeah. We knew it w- we could answer him in a way that satisfied him. That also gave him truth mm. in a lot more quick answer. But at nine, yeah, he's probably needing to know about menstrual cycles. And, yeah. you know, and it was just like, oh gosh, do I have the energy <laughs> to teach this to him right now but um yep. it was just funny and we did and he was satisfied and he moved on he didn't have a lot of questions but it's like we answered it concisely 
um, and age appropriately. And he was satisfied. And he was like, oh, that's, that might have been more information than I actually wanted to know. But thank you. But that's yeah. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But more, um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, but more importantly, he knew that you were open to talking and that's the power of talking. Like even if you don't think they're listening or you think you've given them too much info or whatever, it doesn't matter because you've given them the message that you're okay about talking about this stuff and that's what it's all about is making sure they know so that when they've got those questions or they need to talk to you about something that they can then turn to you and ask those questions or tell you those stories about what's happened to a friend at school Mm -hmm. and you can then talk about it. Mm. My last question, actually, I have two more questions. One is more about resources, but um, I want to ask this one and then um, I'll probe you a little bit about some resources, but can you give just like some examples on how we can start sharing our value, our personal values? with our children as they are creating their own value systems, how do we as parents share and train around our personal values while respecting their own agency? Values are interesting because we share a lot of them without even thinking. So um, when I look at like a values exercise for sex education, part of it might be your everyday values, like, um, you know, treat others how you would like to be treated um, is a great value and one that we pass. And then we have sexual values, which are, you know, what are your beliefs about abortion? What are your beliefs about mm-hmm. circumcision? That's a value in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, contraception, sex mm-hmm. before marriage, um, um, polyamorous relationships where you have more than one partner. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of sexual values as well. Nudity around the house, that's another yeah. sexual value. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is we can have them in our general conversations. So, you know, your child might be sitting, you might have a four-year-old, they might be sitting on the lounge and they're rubbing their vulva or playing mm-hmm. with their penis and you might say, hey, um, I know that feels nice, but we don't do that in the lounge room. You need to go do that somewhere private. Or you might distract them because for some people, depending on their faith, masturbating or touching your genitals isn't, you know, it isn't approved or it isn't part of their beliefs. So you can very gently stop what they're doing and then Mm -hmm. redirect them to something else as well. Mm -hmm. So they're just like we just wrap them into our conversations. So we might be talking about, you know, someone might say, what's a condom? Like you might be using a public toilet and there's a site, there's a, you know, by the um, where you wash your hands, there's the condom machine. And they go, mm-hmm. what are condoms? And you might go, condoms? Well, there's something that you can use to um, stop babies from being made and from catching, you know, infections down there. And they might, and so that's a fact. But then you can also wrap that up with a value as well. And then you can go, Mm. but you know, um, you should only be having sex when you're married, or sex is something that only happens when you know you're in a loving, committed relationship. Mm Um, So you can sort of wrap your values around it. The values with sex education are more about what they'll do with that information that they've learned. And Mm -hmm. kids 
can't pick up your values. You know, research says that kids are more likely to have values like you if we can start sharing them when they're younger. At the end of the day, they make up their own values, but they need a baseline. And I think as parents, if we can talk about what our beliefs and our expectations are and what we feel strongly about, it gives kids like a um, goalpost for those barriers, like, you know, it gives them like Mm -hmm. they can bounce in between the barriers. They sort of have got boundaries boundaries they know what's expected and then when they're trying to work out for themselves or they're watching something on tv where everyone's having sex with everyone and they're swapping partners all the time instead of growing up and thinking well that's what everyone does they can go now hang on what's mum said to me about this and what have dad said and they can go okay so this is what they believe and then they can sort of work out you know what they've seen on TV, whether that's going to fit in and work for them. But if we don't provide them with those values, they believe that that's what everyone else is doing. So our values are really, really important. And often we're sharing them without even being aware of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just, they're, because there's something we feel so strongly about that we don't even have to think about it. Whenever I write content or anything, I have to pull myself up and then I have to look at it and go through and check that I haven't actually thrown my own sexual values into it yeah and I can keep my sexual values out but I struggle to keep out my other values like I believe that you know if you want your child to be respectful to you that you need to be respectful to them Um, so a lot of my parenting values and beliefs come across in my whole approach for sex education but um so they're just things that we do Mm. Uh and we're not even aware that we're sharing them a lot of the time yeah, we're modeling our values so yes, much. Something that, it. yeah, and I struggle sometimes with there's certain things that, like, <laughs> like I want my children to feel safe to have a conflicting value in some scenarios that, like, they, let's say they express something. And then I don't want my body language and my face to communicate something communicate like condescension condescension or minimizing something that they have the right to feel or be right I struggle with that as a parent it's like I it was my body language shutting them down right now because I need them to be able to say what they just said freely so yeah. that there this is open for discussion right mm-hmm. um something else that me and my husband have learned. And like I said, all this is, we're not, I'm not going to share this thinking I have the corner on this understanding, but this is one of the things that we have done, especially as our children have aged into teenage years is kind of coming up with the Mason family codes or values that listen, there's going to come a time when you are going to have your own family. You're going to have your own value system but you're in this whole household right now. And there's just certain things that we are, me and your, me and daddy have to say, this is what is acceptable and what is not. When you are outside of the walls of this family and we are not there to guide your decisions around this value, you have to make the decision of who you want to be. But in this home, this is the standard. So for example, language. You know, we just happen to be parents that are not, um, we don't like to use foul language or 
cursing language, you know. My children were very aware of what the curse words were way before teenage years. And we didn't teach them that because it's not language that they hear from us. And they could tell you every single word and spell them probably about seven years old, right? And so I'm like, this is the world we live in. So it's not like they're not, they don't know, you know. And so we've had to like help navigate you know, we're like, we just don't like that language. We just don't want to use that language. We don't want to speak to you in that language. We're going to ask you to not speak to us. It is our preference that you don't use that language outside Mm -hmm. of the home, but we can't control that. We don't know what you're saying when you're with your kids. I mean, with your friends, right. But this is a value. And this is why we believe this. This is why, you know, and so we, we let them make that decision when they're outside of us, but they know in this home, this is not how we talk to each other. This is not how we talk to, you know, on the phone with our friends. This is not acceptable, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like you can create the values and teach them and train them um, as a part of the way we're going to approach this as a family. Understanding that when they are able to make decisions outside of your parental control, I don't know how to put it. Um, <laughs> that that's that is them deciding on what their own value systems are and i think they like i said earlier i think that can live in the same space i think um you you want your children to start exploring that for themselves because that's part of becoming an adult yes. um you don't have and it's not something you can be fearful of it doesn't mean you're going to want to you're going to agree with every decision that they make but just be willing to share the values be willing to back up why you believe it especially if you're coming from a biblical perspective, tie your value to something that is tied to your faith so that they understand we the, the world does not necessarily value this particular approach to relationships or to sex. And if you have friends that don't necessarily value this, that they are still valuable humans, they are still lovable humans that, you know, this doesn't mean you can't be friends, you know, it's like, we're trying to help them understand people may make other decisions that don't align with what we are saying is what we value. Right. And they're still valuable humans. They are still um, lovable humans. (laughs) You don't dismiss them because they don't agree, but you have to decide on your own what you adopt as your own, but while you're being raised in this home, this is what we will adhere to. So that just kind of creates, it it creates an opportunity to um, train, um, but it also makes room for them to be their own individual. Right. So golly, I hope that made sense. Okay. So the last thing I want to do is ask you, are there some resources or books or things when you think about age appropriateness and like, um, let's say you have a child that um, is really young and you see that they're exploring their bodies or that they're having questions about how babies are made all the way to when you have children that literally can make a decision to be sexually active, right? Are there resources that you can um, start us off with that can kind of guide us as parents? There are lots of books. There must be some big money in sex education books because I just... 
there are so many coming out. It's like someone will email me or I'll hop on Amazon that's like, yet another puberty book. And it's like, how many books on puberty do we have to have published every year? So there are lots and lots and lots of resources out there. There are there's basically a book on every single topic. So you can get books like um, Roby Harris has a really big book called It's, you know, It's Not the Stork. Um, there's three or three of them and it's perfectly normal and they're like a huge, thick, almost what I call a Bible of sex education because it covers everything they need to know. So mm. some parents like those books. I find that a lot of parents find them a little bit overwhelming though because it's like... There's just so much information. Um, so I'm more of a fan of books that just focus on one topic. So you might have a book about consent um, or you might have a book on where babies come from and it won't talk about sex, but then you can have another book that talks about where babies come from and it talks about sex. So there's, so books are probably the best resource because you said that at the start of this chat about the mm -hmm. fact that, you know, you, could re you can read it read a book um, and you don't actually, actually it was a chat we had before we started recording. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about sex education books and about how you don't even have to know what to say. You can read it from a book mm -hmm. and it's age appropriate and it gives you the information. And then you can sit there and not have to stress about remembering what to say. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm such a huge fan of books because books, just make sex education easy. You don't need to be a guru and know everything. Just get the right books and read the information and then just talk about, you know, what's popping up in the book. Mm -hmm. um, some parents are fans of videos. They like to sit down with their child and watch a video. It's like earlier tonight I was watching uh, some videos with my son of a stingray giving birth and then we watched another video of a blue tongue lizard giving birth um, and it brought up this great conversation about, you know, he's 12, but we had a conversation about the different ways babies can be made because his big sister's studying um, human biology at the moment, so mm -hmm. she's doing reproduction. So, you know, um, you can grab everyday moments to talk. They're a fantastic resource as well, but videos, yeah. So Amaze Sex Education, they're an American um, not-for-profit. I think they're government-funded, but um, they're affiliated, I think, with Planned Parenthood. They have a whole series of videos as well. Um, my only caveat with the Amaze videos is you really need to watch them first yourself. Um, I don't always agree with what they say. The yeah. pornography one says that, oh, it's normal. Everyone's watching porn. Um, you know, it's normal to watch porn. And I was watching it with my daughter and she said, so does that mean I should be watching it, Mum? <laughs> and it's like, Great. Oh, what do you think? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, so you do have to watch videos yourself first of all, but then you can talk about stuff as well when it pops mm -hmm. up. Um, so books are probably the best resource as well. Um, also, um, sex education can be really lonely. So um, things like, you know, a parenting village. So, you know, I've got a Facebook yeah. group where, you know, it's over 40,000 parents and they are, go in and ask all their questions about sex education. 
and they get, you know, anywhere between 20 to 200 replies mm. of different perspectives and viewpoints on it. And so you can read this thing about parents asked what to do about a masturbating three-year-old in the shower and you can read all this stuff and go, oh, yeah, that will work. Or, oh, no, there's no way I would ever do that. Well, that's a good idea. I think I could try that one. And you can get ideas from there and also realize that you're not alone that there's other parents mm. on this journey as well they're probably some of the best resources um, I love that books and yeah so what I'm going to do um well it, it's there if you're listening to this that means this is published and my, the resource is there I'm going to put together um a short list of um resources. I'm going to make sure we have links to um, get into Kath's Facebook group. And um, so you can get into her world. I do highly recommend that you um, avail yourself to her expertise. She's um, a safe space for you to um, find guidance and support as you are learning how to explore this topic with your children, or if not learning, if you're not like at the beginning stages of these conversations, how to add more value to what's already happening in your home. And it's just a place to start. I know that the books were like, I mean, even now, like if my husband um, has to, I shouldn't say has to, <laughs> like if he knows he's going to have a conversation with my son about um, something that's around sex education, we have like a book that journeys through us through age appropriate conversations. And he literally will refer to that to kind of see, is this topic covered? So I'm going to try to find that book um, and see any, and I I hope there's an updated version of it because I promise you we bought it probably a decade ago. So I'll just have to go see if there's an updated version of that particular book, but I'm going to make a a resource for for you to link in a PDF so that you can have some quick references in case um, that'll be helpful. But Kath, this has been a very needed uh, conversation. Thank you. I don't know what time it is in Australia. What time is it where you are right now? Uh, nearly midnight. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your sacrifice and service. Um, tell your cats, I said, thank you for being patient as you, as, as you are recording. They're like, this is our bedtime. What are you doing yeah. around here? I need They're you to asleep. leave the room. <laughs> okay. They, they finally gave in. Thank you. Um, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Refreshed Moms podcast. Hey, if you're a fan of this podcast, I'd love it if you can leave a star rating and review. This helps put me in front of more beautiful women just like you. So before you hop off, stop by and click a star rating and leave a review. Don't forget, find me on Facebook and Instagram at Refresh Moms to receive your daily dose of refreshment. Let's connect again soon, all right? Bye for now.